this week. It's been a big week for our city. And um, we have had our Frogs team out at both Eddington and at Rickerton, and they have done an amazing, amazing job. They have given out thousands of litres of water. Um, they did over 2,000 litres of water yesterday alone. They have given out thousands of pancakes. Yesterday we gave our pancake trailer its first proper run-through and put it under the palm. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, you can have a chat to Grant and Alistair and stuff. They, it was fun. You guys, well, you boys had fun, eh? Yeah. Um, and people were very, very thankful. And I just wanted to share a cool story as well. I was at um, a meeting leading up to to the events with a lot of the duty and bar managers and there was the police officers and city council people and all that sort of stuff there. And... Um, the police officers got up and talked about how much they appreciated frogs, and then the council got up and talked about how much they appreciated frogs. And then I got up and told them, like, what we did and was like, cool, this is what we're here for, going to be doing at these events. And then this other city council lady got up and she said, I just want to reiterate what everyone else has said about, about frogs. And you've got to remember, frogs is the local church. Literally, it is the local church being at these events. And she just said, she said, it's just amazing. She said, they always have the ability to be in the right place at the right time. Who knows that's a God thing, right? And I was like standing there trying not to do a little happy dance. Like I was doing it on the inside, but you know, trying to be like, cool, come and clear. Because I was like, man, I know that that is the prayer of so many of our teams before they go out. They pray, God, help us to be in the right place at the right time. And the fact that our city council, that's how they're talking about the local church. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that the stuff that we want people to be saying about the church? And then as well, we had um, the breakfast show as well start asking questions and so nationally be talking about what the local church is doing and the difference that it is making. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? We want the media to be looking at the local church and go, hey, man, what is going on? Why is it different when you have people at events? Why does the atmosphere change? Why does something shift? And, and I just think that's so awesome. So thank you so much to all of those that have been praying. It makes a massive difference. Those that have been bringing pancake shakers and supporting the teams and all that sort of stuff. And um, it's, been, it's been a really awesome week. We've had some some cool God conversations with people as well and amongst it. And, um, and that's, that's, a, that's what we're looking for too. Eh? We're there to love and serve people, but we also want to um, share Jesus with people as well, which is cool. So, um, yeah, I want to I start by just telling you a little bit about, as I was, obviously we've been doing lots of uh, frogging and stuff this week, and I was thinking about um, earlier this year we had a team down at, at New Year's and, and from Queenstown and in Wanaka, and um, we were running one of the safe zones in Queenstown and one of the teams had, had gone out with the water packs and they were doing handing out water and stuff to people and they'd only just gone out and um, Harrison, is Harrison here today? Actually, he's, no. um, he, was, he was leading this particular team and he came across this guy that had, had taken some pingers. Um, so they're like uh, little drugs, pills, that sort of stuff. And, and he was actually rolling on the, the concrete floor and he was like rolling up against the wall and he wasn't in a particularly good state and, and the team came across him and his, his mates sort of weren't too sure what to do and, and so the team was able to look after him and care for him and we got him some medical attention and um, got him seen to and all that sort of stuff and then he just really needed to come down off the high. So he was in the safe zone with us and, and for about... An hour and a half for two hours, Harrison and his team just sat with this guy and sat with his friends and they gave him some pancakes and some water and they just chatted to him and, and looked after him and all that sort of stuff. And I was um, overseeing the safe zone, so I was just kind of watching them and uh, making sure they were all good and the pancake team. And as I was kind of standing there, um, two Irishmen came up to us. They were just kind of stoked to get their free food. 
And so they were getting some pancakes and well, one of them was. The other one was like having a conversation to me and one of the other guys. And um, he was... He was an Irishman on New Year's. He, he had a few drinks. He, he wasn't too intox, but he was definitely jolly. And he was having a good time. And he was just standing there waiting for his mate while he was getting the pancakes. And he was just watching Harrison and the team and how they were just caring for this guy and just how they were treating him. And he just he couldn't kind of get his head around it. And he was, he was like, what? Like, I hope you guys are getting paid for this. And we're like... No, like, actually, we're volunteers. Like, actually, a bunch of our team have given up a paid day's work to, you know, come and do this stuff. And he was just like, what? And he's like, oh, like, we're, like, why? And we're like, oh, we're just, you know, volunteers from local church and stuff. Like, why not? Why wouldn't we be here doing this kind of stuff? And and he was just, his mate was, like, really holding into pancakes. So he was, he was there having chat for a while. And, um, but he was just watching. You could just see him. And he even said, he's like, I would never do this for people. He's like, you guys could be out. Like, you guys could be out down the bars and you could be out doing it, like, you know, having a good night. <laughs> and as he's just he's watching Harrison, he's just like, why? Like, why are you guys doing this? And we had this conversation for a couple of minutes. And you can see he just couldn't reconcile the way that the team was loving and caring for this guy and what they were giving of themselves. And, and so it's just kind of, you know, we were just having a bit of a chat, and I just got to the point where I said to him, I was like, love will make you do funny things. And isn't that true? You know, we can all think of, of funny things that we've done because we love and we care for people. And, and I saw this guy, and he just kind of went, yeah. And, and by this this point, I think his mates had gone through about half a thing of pancakes, and so he came back over, and, and so they went to go off. But I saw this guy, and he walked off, and I just thought to myself, I was like, you and God have fun with that. <laughs> Because there is something within that. There was something in what you saw that's going to mess you up for a while. When you put your head on your pillow and, and you're like, man, what did I see? Because he couldn't reconcile it with his own actions. He would never want to do that. He would never give up money and his time to, to love and care for that person until we know he encounters Jesus and then it'll change, eh? But there was something about the actions of the team that was so, caused so much intrigue and so much wonder in his heart. And, and just that phrase, love will make you do funny things in the way that we love and care for people. And, and, and my heart and my prayer is that that our people around us and within our nation and the world would look to the church and that would be how they describe us. That when they go, man, man love makes them do funny things, eh? But, but there's a cost that comes to that as well. As I said, some of the team had given up, you know, paid work over New Year's and Christmas. They had even paid petrol costs and all those things to come down. There was the sacrifice. There was cost involved in order to love and to care for those people. And, and even this week as the teams have been out and, and going, actually, there's a cost. There's a weariness. Like there are some of us that haven't had heaps of sleep and some of the team that have you know, sore backs and legs and bodies and stuff because they've been carrying around these water packs. There's a cost that's involved often in loving and caring for people. And and I was just kind of pondering these things in my heart this week and was like, man, and thinking about it, I was like, man, God, sometimes it hurts. Like, it hurts. And you feel like like something on the inside is kind of dying at times. And, and don't look at me and pretend like you guys have had dramatic conversations with God. Like, but I was, I was just kind of thinking, and I was just going, man, God, like, you know, the times it hurts and it feels like something's dying and it's shifting. And I just felt the Holy Spirit um, 
remind me, and he goes, actually, Julia, there's something that is. It's your old self. It's your old, old nature that's dying. And for a while, I actually got to... Um, I was journeying with people in our church and taking them through our, um, our baptism course. And um, plug, we've got baptisms and stuff next week. And so if you want to do it, if there's stuff that rings in this, you can have a church Jeremiah afterwards. But um, so we've got the baptismal pool over here. Some of you are like, what? Yeah, totally. There's actually a baptismal pool here under stage. And we baptize people. So I've got to journey with, with lots of people through this. And as we're talking with them um, beforehand and we're helping them to prepare and understand what it is, the decision that they're making, um, we talk about Romans 6. And um, that's going to come up on the screen. Romans 6, verse 1 to 7. It says, what, what, shall we, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For we have been united with him in a death like his. We will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin." And so we talk about this concept that actually as we go through the waters of baptism, what is left within this pool as we go down and we identify with the, the death of Jesus and we see our stuff put on the cross with him, it is gone and we're identifying and we're going down under that water as he went into the grave. And as we're coming back up, what we're believing is happening and what we are making a decision that is happening is that our old self, our old sinful, and if we replace that word with a, a word that kind of makes a little more sense in our context, is the selfishness. Our selfishness, it is what is left in that water. And we come up a new creation going, God, I choose you and I choose your will and I choose your way and I choose I choose to leave my selfishness in the water of this pool of baptism. Isn't that right, church? Isn't that what we're doing? And we're going, actually, I'm making a decision. I'm choosing that it is going to stay in there. But isn't the problem with living sacrifices that they just have a, a tendency to crawl off the altar sometimes? And it's a decision that we have to continually be making and coming back to. And I know some of you, you know, for some of us, it was a while ago since we made that decision. But I just, as I was kind of oh, at times having a bit of a moan and stuff this week, and, and God was, and I was like, I feel like, you know, time something, it hurts and it's dying. God's going, yeah, that's your selfishness. It's making that continual decision that your selfishness, the things that you want, that you have to put it back in that pool and you have to make the decision that that was left there. And I made a decision that I was pursuing Jesus, that I was pursuing his kingdom and that I was asking that his kingdom come and his will be done. And so my selfishness has to be left there. But there's times when it has to, I have to continue to choose that that is where it's left and not pick it up and let it crawl out again. 
See, I'm not talking about a manipulative or an unhealthy guilt or a giving of ourselves that, that is boundaryless or that's unhealthy or, sub- or that sort of stuff, but a very conscious and aware awareness that actually it is our selfishness that needs to die in order for Jesus' kingdom to be able to come. See, and even going back to Genesis and Genesis 3 and, and when Eve comes to that, that place with the tree and, and there's that temptation, there was, there was three things that I feel kind of we can relate to within that. There was a want. It was, I want. No one forced her to take that fruit. It was always her decision. There was a want to go, I, I want to have that. I want to eat that. I want to partake of that. And what was it she was wanting? She was wanting the knowledge. She was wanting to be like God. She was wanting the, I know, I want to know, I want to have that knowledge. And then partner within that was, I deserve. It was a t- temptation of, I, I, well, I, God can have that. I deserve to have that as well. And how often in our lives does that same, those same phrases go through our minds? I want I know, I deserve. I was even just this week as that I want. I was I was wrestling with some situations and I was praying and I was asking God and I was like, man, God, I really, I just need some confirmation around this stuff. Like I really just need you to speak and and just didn't kind of feel like He was saying a whole lot and and I was like, man, God, I just I want you to speak. Like I want to hear. I want an answer. I want to know. And I felt God say. And I, was, I just kind of thought, I was like, man, it would just be awesome if someone got a word and could just, you know, like just a word of comfort, just something that I'm on the right track, or, you know, just, just that sort of stuff. Because it just kind of solidifies when it comes from someone else as well, eh? that it's not just, you know. And I just felt, felt this prompt me going, when was the last time I was seeking God for a word for someone? See, I was so caught in my own want for my situation, and I was so focused on this that actually... I hadn't been looking around at anyone else. And I was like, yeah, actually, it's not about that I want. But then I spent some time um, just asking God, and I, I did actually get a word of encouragement to, for a friend. And so I you know, just typed up a message and, and sent it off to her, and she replied, and it was, it was a word in season for her. And I was like, man, Sometimes I can be so caught and go, man, I want, I want, I need, I want, I need. That God's going, actually, I want you to be an answer to someone else. Stop looking at your own situation and be so caught up in your own pain that actually you can't be the answer to anybody else's because you're so all consumed with this. And you know, funny enough, a couple of days later, one of my youth girls who's over in the States now sends me this message. And she's like, hey just worshipping the other day and you popped into my mind and I've just got this, you know, I've just got this on my heart for you. And surprise, surprise, it was a word in season, right? But actually what God wanted me to do, he wanted me to be the answer to someone else's prayer so that someone else could be the answer to mine rather than just being so all-consumed with my own selfishness for my own situation. That I want and that I know. We were... Um, we were at a Frogs event, and it was a, oh, you know the big like boxing match that was happening last year at the arena? 
And I remember there was like a new security guard that, that came in and we were, we were running the safe since I'd been in all the pre-event meetings. Like I knew what was happening, how it was all going to run and stuff. And, and the security guard came in and he kind of walks in. He's like, okay, this is how it's going to run. And I was standing there and I had one of the other frogs, one of the guys next to me. And I remember as we started talking and then he just turned and he totally bypassed me and just started talking to the guy. Like, like he was the one that knew what was happening. And, what was going, and the frog said, like, he's like... What's going on? Is I wasn't any of this stuff. Like, you know, he wasn't. And I just remember, okay, if I'm totally honest, my first thought was, what a jerk. <laughs> but then my next reaction was, I know what is going on. I know what is happening. And he just kind of looked at me and be like, oh, well, she doesn't know what she's talking about. But it's like, I know. I know what I'm talking about. I know how this is going to run. But how often does that come up that someone tells us something and our reaction is, I know. I know that it's in me and there isn't actually that room. And I was just aware that I was like, so often when that phrase comes into our mind, how often is it what was meant to be left in that pool in those waters of baptism with the I want and the I know coming back up? And then the I deserve. It was interesting. I Googled some of like the advertising campaign because, you know, there's (laughs) – a friend came up to me. I can't remember who it is, so I apologize if they're here. But they'd gone into the supermarket, and there was something that they wanted, and the message, messaging advertising was, you deserve it. And they were like, yeah, I do. I do deserve this. I think it was like a chocolate bar or a coffee or, you know, something. But I was like, man, actually, then there's, you're worth it. You know, the L'Oreal ads and, and all of that stuff. And I looked into actually how that works within advertising. And the reason why it is so effective, such effective messaging, is that actually because it resonates within us on an emotional level and says, you do deserve it. You are worth it. And if someone says no to that, they're not actually saying no to the object that we desire. They're saying, no, you're not worth it. And no, you don't deserve it. But how often are we told that, even within a really physical level, like within marketing and that stuff, that you do deserve it and you are worth it. But how much does that actually feed our selfishness and that part of us that I want and I know and I deserve that was actually meant to be left in the waters of baptism, where our selfishness, where our old self was left in that place so that we were free to choose God and to choose his kingdom. And then we look at the picture of Jesus in Matthew 28 as he comes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He says to his disciples to stay here. And he is obviously so physically cut up by what is happening. And he's like, he knows the pain. He knows what he is facing. He knows that he is going to the cross. He knows that he is going to be misaccused of all these things. He knows that for a time he is going to be separated from the Father. He knows the full, he is going to carry the full pain and weight of the world upon him. He has never known separation from the Father before. He has always known perfect relationship. But he knows that he is going to take that for a greater good. 
But there's still that place where he comes into the garden. He knows that within his full humanity, he is going to feel those nails go through his hands. He is going to feel those nails go through his feet. He is going to feel the whipping upon his back. And it is going to be very real, the chunks of flesh that are taken out of it. He is going to feel the pain of the blood running down his head from the crown of thorns. But he says... My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me because he is going to feel the full weight of everything upon him. But he says, yet not as I will, but as you will. His selfishness, his desires was being left. Even as he had gone through the waters of baptism, he had made a decision that he was going to choose his father's kingdom. Interestingly enough, do you know that actually it was three times? We talk about the fact that the disciples fell asleep. But if you have a read of it, he goes to the disciples and they're falling asleep. And he's like, guys, come on. This is a big deal. He's clearly, you know, cut up by this and they're sleeping. And he's like, so they wake up and he carries on and he goes away and he prays again. And then he comes back to them and they're asleep. And that time he just leaves them. And then he goes again a third time. And again, he says, not my will, but your will be done. And then he goes back and he picks up his disciples. And he says, come on, boys, it's time to go. See, not my will, but your will. Love will make us do funny things. And I'm, I'm going to ask, I've got a little helper this morning. He's going to be a bit, we can have a little bit of fun with this just to kind of bring some illustrations to it. But it's kind of thinking about it and going so often we think over here that this is the place of strength. That it's about I, what I want and what I deserve and what, what I know. And we go over here, we are strong and over here, but we realize that so often it falls short. Our selfishness hurts other people because we're in that pursuit of what we need and what we know and what we have to have and what we deserve. And so we're willing to take that from other people. But actually, as we go through the waters of baptism and as we journey and as he comes over this way, we see that actually the old self is left there. What we thought was our strength is left in that place. And instead we come and we identify with Jesus. We're in that garden. He was on his knees before the Father saying, not my will, but your will be done. And he chose a posture of surrender before the Father. See, this is the posture of strength. And as I was preparing this week, I really felt that there are some of us here that truly believe that this is a posture of weakness. We see the strength over there and we go, man, when we have to come before God and when we surrender before God, that it's a weakness. But it's truly not. We've left our old self in those waters our old selfish nature, and instead we come before the Father and we go, this is the place where we find direction. This is the place where we see that the the sword is picked up and there's actually a commissioning by the Father 
to go into the world. There is a new mandate that is upon our lives and he equips us and he gives us direction and it is under his leadership. And then as we arise from this place, there is something new that is upon our lives. There is a power of heaven and where there was our old selfishness, our old sinful nature, we are now able to be filled with more of God and his spirit and of his presence. We're able to walk with him. There are angel armies that are behind us and we are able to fight and our strength looks like this. He's not being silly either. He's actually trained in the Mortai. Like, he's actually quite the tank. I thought that was way better than me playing with this plastic sword. Anyone else agree? <laughs> but going from there, we can't, we can't always be fighting as well. Our positions of strength strange from here, and then we go back to that position of surrender, where again we receive rest, where we receive new direction, where we receive correction and training and equipping so that we can go again. See, it's, that's not our true position of strength. This and this are our true positions of strength. I love, um, as I was preparing this, I found a quote by Bruce Lee, and he says, I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. See, how powerful would we actually be if we continued to practice our old selfish nature being left in the pool, leaving the I want, I know, I deserve in that space, and instead continually practicing coming before the Father in a position of surrender, offering before him, receiving that rest, receiving that direction, and then being able to go into our workplaces, our families, our homes, our communities, actually filled in in a true place of strength and security within him. See, it's in that place that God can work and move through us. And in that place that love will cause us to do funny things. Because a world that is, doesn't know how to separate themselves from their own selfishness, from their old nature, they look at it and they go, they look at the guy on the beanbag caring for the guy that's on pingers and go, why? I know that I couldn't do that. Why are you doing that? And it opens up a conversation to say, because of Jesus and because of what he has done in my life. See, we surrender that I want, that I know, that I deserve for something far better. We surrender it for more space in our lives for God to work, more room for his love to fill us and to heal us and to grace us for that which he has called us to. And I would just love as the, the team comes back. That maybe you're here in this place today. And maybe you don't even know this Jesus that we're talking about. But I want to tell you that he loves and he cares for you deeply. He always has and he always will.
and his heart's desire is that there would be room in your life for him to have a relationship with him, for him to be able to journey with you through every circumstance. See, we were never created to be lonely. His heart's desire is always that we would live in relationship with him and through that he would restore our relationships with other people. Maybe you once knew this Jesus, but you've walked away from your relationship with him. Now, I would just love if we could just take a moment and and I'm just going to pray. And in your heart, if you know that this is you, I would love for you to pray this with us. There are many of us that are in this room and prayed this prayer and surrendered our lives to God. Come into that place before him and go, God, I need your rest. I need your direction. I need your leading. I need to leave some of that old stuff behind and I need to step into a new. So would you just close your eyes this morning as I pray. Lord, I open my heart and I accept you as my saviour. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Forgive me my sins and mistakes. Come and be Lord of my life. I am yours and I belong to you. I choose to follow you in your plan now for my life. Amen. Now, if that's you this morning, I'd love if you come and chat to me or one of the team or one of the, um, one of the team in the T-shirts out in the foyer afterwards, and we would love to journey with you, give you some resources to help with you and, and connect you with some people that can walk this out with you. But I also love it for the rest of us, maybe as we stand and as we, as we sing this next song, you guys can stand now. That we would just come before God again and just ask Him to help us remind us of what was left in those waters. Because sometimes we can continue to beat ourselves up and think that we are still that person. He doesn't see us that way. He sees us as a, as a new creation. Jesus took all of that upon the cross so that we might be able to stand in that perfect relationship that He had with the Father. That we would know the fullness of the hope and restoration and redemption that is within Him. That we would know His freedom and His joy. But I think maybe there's some things today that we need to surrender again. The I want, the I knows, and the I desires. Because I truly believe If we're going to go where God is taking us in the next year as a church, if we truly want to come to a place where we say, Lord, more of your kingdom, Father, your kingdom come and your will be done, that part of our old selfish natures need to continue to die so that we can continue to make more room for God to do what he wants to do in our lives.